we spend so little of our time with our friends, 4% of our time with, with our friends. And people come up with all of these other solutions for, you know, self-help, living a better life, be happier, you know, do Peloton, <laughs> do nothing, meditate. And all these things are great, you know, but very few people when talking about living a better, more full life, say, spend time, spend more time with your friends, think more about friendship, brainstorm more about friendship, journal more about friendship. And I'm not saying that's going to solve everything, but I do think it's a relatively simple <laughs> Uh, an accessible solution. This is Meredith for Real, the curious introvert, and I'm Meredith. I explore the questions people think but don't ask out loud, either because they're taboo or thanks to cultural hypnosis. My mission, and yours if you choose to accept it, is to inspire curiosity by exploring the nuance and paradox of our world. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. Friendship is a topic that I circle around a lot internally because as an introvert, I specialize in overthinking everything. I had a couple close friends in high school, but I found maintaining those after graduation increasingly difficult as our seasons of life shifted us into, you know, less common ground. It wasn't until I moved to Florida that I really started to make a lot of friends and now I think about how to intentionally develop them on a deeper level. My story isn't unique, though. I'm sure you can relate. So lucky for us all, my guest shares some really thoughtful insight on the difference between a friend and an acquaintance and how we can deepen the relationships in our lives that already have great potential. I'm so glad I found him because, believe it or not, it's really hard to find a good guest to speak on this subject. If you're wondering where I find guests like these, the answer is that it's pretty much different for each guest. But I get asked that question a lot, so I started putting the source of each guest in my Monday email, along with the regular info about the new episode. If you're not getting those and you want to be included, you can text REAL to 66866. That's if you're in the U.S. If you're elsewhere, you can go to MeredithForReal.com. And on Saturday... I also send out a Cliff Notes and clickable links email in case what you heard was so good you wish you could have taken notes or, you know, you want to check out a resource that the guest mentioned, which is especially good for an episode like this with practical tips to try out. If you're already getting my emails, you're probably one of my amazing loyal listeners, so thank you for that. And if you're new here, welcome. Around here, we press play to get curious, to disrupt the algorithm, and to grow into better humans. I talk with everyone from scientists to sex workers. There's no specific order to listen to episodes, and at the end of each episode, I offer a next episode suggestion. So have a look around and hit play on whatever grabs your attention. All right, enjoy the show. It's said that the number of friends that you'll have will peak at age 25, and it's a downhill slope from there. That's obviously depressing, but begs the question, what is friendship? Are your social media connections your friends? Has the digital age caused our ability to be real-life friends to atrophy? And how do we maintain meaningful friendships when our seasons of life change dramatically? There's obviously a lot to talk about here. And my next guest is up for the challenge. He's the best-selling author of Friendship in the Age of Loneliness. He's also a renowned keynote speaker who regularly speaks at companies like Apple and Google. 
and its TED Talk on the quarter-life crisis has over 1.7 million views. Today, he's going to help us close the friendship gap, knowing people versus being known, how to have more authentic relationships and be less lonely, thoughtful writer, purposeful friend, fellow calendar and listener, Adam Smiley Paswalski. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Right, so your friends, your friends call you Smiley. Everyone calls you Smiley. Yeah, uh, my close friends call me Smiley. Yeah. Oh, okay. Since high, since high school. Since high school. Well, I can kind of see now that we've met in person why they might call you that. That makes perfect sense. And I would love to kick it off by just kind of defining friendship because um, there's a real gap in the English language for any nuance there. You know, I, I once heard uh, Big Bang Theory actor uh, Maya Bialik respond to the question of her and Jim Parsons were friends in real life. And she said, well, you know, she was real thoughtful about it. We check in with each other. We've experienced life events together. I know his family. So yeah, we're friends. And I thought, wow, that was a really thoughtful answer. I've never thought to like checklist criteria of defining a friend. I, I, I don't think I would ever introduce anyone not as a friend. Like, hi, here's my acquaintance. Just feels sort of rude, you know? <laughs> so how do you define friendship? Yeah. I mean, I think that there's no one answer or one de definition. And I think that, you know, far be it for me or from anyone really to kind of define what a friend is. If you feel like you're close with someone, that's a beautiful thing. Great. Um, but I think that if we look at the data, we know that there's a friendship gap, right? Uh, the average American hasn't made a new friend in the last five years. 75% uh, of Americans aren't satisfied with their friendships. One in five people have no close social connections at all, zero. 15% uh, of men have no close friends. Um, so I think that we throw the word around. And I think generally when we use it, we mean someone we've met, someone we got to know, someone we met at a party, someone we follow on Instagram, someone maybe we even had a drink with once, which is great. But what we're looking for is more of something more meaningful, something deeper. Um, so, you know, there's data research uh, from Jeffrey Hall at the University of Kansas that shows that someone is a close friend, can't be a close friend unless you've spent 200 hours with them, right? Which I think is actually a little bit staggering, but helpful to be like, oh, maybe that's why I don't feel that <laughs> deep connection with them. We've spent 25 minutes together. We met at once. <laughs> um, so a phrase or kind of, I, I, I would use it as someone you've, you've had, you've shared a significant life experience with that you really care about that cares about you as kind of a general framing, um, which kind of, I think, leaves it uh, open and a little bit broad, but also kind of a, an opportunity to go deeper, right? Is kind of yeah. saying something that we want uh, that's missing, that that gap. And when you pair that with the um, statistics that you just shared about the feeling that is missing in the word that we use all the time, it really makes sense because we have all these connections, but we're not spending, we're not logging those hours with those people, with those friends. We're maybe seeing them because of social media, but we're not really investing that one-on-one -on -one time that would create the feeling that we're missing. Yeah. They're connections, not friendship, right? They're, they're, they're maybe fans or followers, but not friends. They're people yeah. we met, they're acquaintances. 
um, which are important. And we need those in our lives to have, you know, thriving community and uh, people that we are excited about seeing. But I think that, you know, when we look at kind of the skyrocketing rates of loneliness, both in the United States and worldwide, I mean, this is a global uh, epidemic and has been and, and was prior to the pandemic, prior to two years of many people experiencing social isolation, social distancing and lockdowns and all of these things that clearly this is something that is not just uh, one or two people, right? The two thirds of Americans are lonely and loneliness is really the subjective gap between where your social connections are and where you want them to be. It's, it's, it's that difference, right? Of like, I have people, but I would love to have people like this, or I would like to experience something more, something different, something greater, something more intimate, something more emotional, something deeper. And I think that it's our job to kind of close that gap. And it seems like uh, we are become more people gatherers than connectors to use your word. And I, I, in some ways that has helped me personally to know that there are friends um, that are in certain situations. They're situational friends. Um, and I would, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, on situational friends becoming deeper friends because you have, you know, you're, you're drinking buddy. I have a, like a surf friend. I have, you know, you have a friend that you go to the gym with. Um, so I w- I'd love your thoughts on situational friends and, and taking those relationships to another level instead of just letting them live within the context of that one scenario. Yeah. And I think that I want to make sure that I don't speak negatively about situational (laughs) friendships. I think that a lot of close relationships start with that, right? Like maybe you're on vacation and you're staying at a hostel with somebody or you do a cooking class with somebody or you're, you know, take a boat trip or hiking, whatever it is. And it's like this moment in time, this week together, two weeks together, and you get so deep so quickly. I think we can all kind of identify with that experience sometime, maybe traveling, especially when you're younger or you, you share this kind of peak experience with somebody where you barely know them, but you spent two or three days together and it feels like your best friends. The key is not to drop them, right? I think that that's the big thing is that as we get older, as we maybe move across the country or in different parts of the world where you check in with people, you kind of say, hey, how's it going? And you don't let that uh, experience kind of wither away uh, as something that just happened you know, two, three, five, 10 years ago, it's somebody that maybe you write a letter to, maybe you schedule an annual, you know, video call if you're in different places where you can kind of check in or you have some context for for keeping them in your life um, and not dropping them. I mean, for the book, I talked to a lot of people and and people that, you know, I'm like, that, that seem like they have really deep friendships over time and say, how do you do this? How do you stay in touch with people? And they say they just, their biggest thing is they don't drop folks. They, they really make an effort to, whether it's through correspondence or through meeting up annually to really kind of keep people in their life. Cause otherwise you do get a little bit more, just, just situational friendships. I think there's nothing wrong with having situational friendships. What you want is the yes. And you want those and people that are deeper. If you just have situational friendships, um, you might feel more of the gap. You might feel more of that yearning for something more. And certainly the pandemic created its own type of situational friend, right? Like I have what I've called pandemic pals, people that Mm. I uh, electronically met during the pandemic, either through podcasting or just because. Um, And we would 
have Zoom coffees or whatever. Um, and I, I remember when I was listening to your book, I was asking myself, are those folks like my friends? Like, you know, I'm questioning everything now, Smiley. <laughs> they are. If you felt like they were for your friends, they're your friends, I read, right? Like friendship is in the eye of the beholder, I think. Yeah. If you feel connection with someone, that's a beautiful thing, right? That's that's amazing. Um, and I think a lot of times, I think there's also in the pandemic, a lot of times people thought that they were their close friends, that they 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 were a little bit like, oh, I know know who my real friends are because these people I thought were my friends were not talking at all, or they didn't check in on me, or we haven't talked for six months or a year, or because we don't meet up at the gym or we don't see each other at the office, like our relationship is kind of withered away. So maybe they weren't that important in your life and that's okay too. And I think a lot of people this time was kind of a recalibration of understanding, huh, maybe I had, I'll speak for myself, had a lot more surface level friendships. You know, I'm somebody, I'm an extroverted person. I meet people kind of for a living. I do a lot of talks and go to conferences and events. And I'd kind of picked up all of these people on my journey that were connections and, but they weren't deep friendships. And I kind of, my social circle during the pandemic shrunk in a way that I actually found very illuminating and actually a positive on my life, because I don't think I could really keep track of everyone else that I had in 2019. Right. And I realized, okay, maybe I don't need all of these people. I need one or two or three people in my life that I can rely on, that can rely on me. And that maybe there's something more manageable there. A lot of the data shows that people are not looking for more connections or looking for deeper connections. They're looking to go, um, they're looking to go deeper, not wider. Yes. And, and I was, um, impressed by your description of some of the rituals and habits. And I mean, they kind of were hacks too, to, you know, deepen those friendships, not drop people. I would love for you to share some of those that you personally uh, find easy to integrate into your busy life. Yeah. Um, well, there's quite a few. I, I think of the, the the book as kind of all of these as rituals or recipes. Like I, I actually, my idea for is kind of like a cookbook for friendship. Oh, I love right? that. So on any, any given day, you know, sometimes you're in the mood for pasta. Sometimes you're in the mood for a salad for chicken. And sometimes you're like, I don't want a salad. Get away from me. Right? <laughs> sometimes you don't even want to cook. You want to get takeout. And that's kind of the idea of this book is that you can pick it up on an every, any given day say, oh, I'll try that out or oh, not that one, this one. And it, it kind of gives people that permission. I love um, that. It's like tools. I, I call that like in my, in the terms of mental health, like I call that tools in my tool belt, like okay, this one strategy yes. I used for my own personal wellness didn't work today. Okay, what else we have in the toolbox? But I love that idea for a friendship. I never thought of that. Okay, let me give you a couple here. Okay. Uh, just kind of practical ones. Um, always go on a second date. So this is this idea that if you might meet someone and you generally like them and you generally kind of don't find them uh, a horrible person or don't find them creepy or <laughs> right. don't find them someone that's making you feel unsafe. If someone makes you feel unsafe or unwelcome, goodbye. Dear God, do not be friends on, with right? them. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Run, run immediately. Clear. Same thing in dating, <laughs> same thing in dating, same thing with an online date or meeting a stranger. Right. But if yeah. someone piques your interest or seems interesting, hang out with them again. And I talk about this guy in the book, Sahar, who basically has this monthly potluck that he invites people to. So he's always got something on the calendar. 
It's once a month. It's in his backyard. Obviously, during the pandemic, he couldn't do it in person. But now, you know, um, and it's something that he meets somebody interesting. He invites them to the potluck, right? He's got a friendship card instead of a business card that says, let's be friends. It's got his email and his phone number on it. And that way, it's this kind of low effort, right? He's kind of like, it's on the calendar. Come to my monthly potluck. He meets someone. He doesn't have to plan like a whole, you know, other other event or get something on the calendar. And he invites people to this. And then maybe people that have come in the past also come and maybe those people can be friends. It's this idea that you're kind of like always having something on the calendar, always something to look forward to. Um, I think that's a really great way to kind of just encourage that connection. Uh, having a, a Monday night activity club doesn't have to be Monday night. It could be Tuesday night. It could be Wednesday night. This could be weekly. This could be monthly. Just something where you're gathering people around an activity. You can switch it up. Could be cooking, could be sewing, could be um, yoga, could be whatever that is on the calendar that's happening. Don't go out for drinks. I think that I believe me, I like to have a beer every now and then. I like to have a glass of wine. I think that kind of creating that as the context for how you connect with people is great, but is limiting. I think it limits it to kind of the typical chit chat that you've done on a first date and 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 isn't necessarily as possibility creating as doing an activity with someone or having an experience with someone or learning something with someone um now maybe you do one of those activities and then you go out for a drink <laughs> okay right? okay that i can wrap my head around that's so very I'm just saying like <laughs> I, um, I that's unexpected because i would think that um doing the activity would mean you're not speaking to each other as much, but and drinking, you're like face to face, you know? Yeah. Well, that's how I, women I, are face to face. Men are usually watching a game, right? So that's, I think sometimes alcohol can be used, uh, nothing against alcohol, but can be used kind of as a crutch. And I think that when you're drinking, you kind of usually fall back on the typical kind of chit chat, like the, the weather, how's, how's your work? Like, Oh my gosh, but not as much on a deep kind of burning question of like, what's your purpose? What are you up to in life? Like, right. what do you want to create? What do you want to build? And when you learn something together, you can maybe go deeper quicker um, and just switches things up. It's usually you're doing an experience that maybe you haven't done before as yourself and probably obviously haven't done with a new person. Whereas going out for drinks is probably something you've done before. So it creates something new, something um, different, you know, any opportunity to play. I think there's a lot of research that shows, uh, you know, this as, as curiosities in the, in the title of your podcast, <laughs> curiosity, play, trying something new is actually proven to make people open up, make people more vulnerable, make people more excited, make people more creative. Uh, and when you have that environment, there's a reason why the time we make most of our friends is when we're a little kid. Because we're playing, we're running around. Everything is a, I'm going to climb on that thing. Me too. Or you want to do this? You want to play make-believe? You want to play dress up? Like it's all yes. It's all yes and in the same way that improv would be, right? Because you're saying yes, you're open to new ideas, which creates the environment for people to connect and see people kind of in their, in their, in their fullest and in, in, in their most potential. Um, I, yeah. that, that's a big one for me. Hey, Curiositors, just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. If trash TV leaves you feeling drained, 
and you want to support creators like yours truly, check out StreamMoco. You can search shows by your mood and even, you know, watch my show, The Curious Introvert. For every $3.99 subscription, they give away a dollar for good and support their creators like your girl. Find my affiliate link in the episode description or the bio link in my Instagram account. StreamMoco, the streaming network that gives a damn. If you've got backyard barbecue plans for 2022, but mosquitoes are not invited, I recommend Insec. I've been using their pest control service for several years now. They have a certified mosquito identification specialist on staff. And pollinator care is always top of mind. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call, ensec.net. The UWF Historic Trust. We shoot the show at the Pensacola Museum of History. It not only houses exhibits of lesser-known Pensacola history, it's an event space too. So if you need a unique space in downtown Pensacola for a fundraiser, networking event, or a corporate party, take a look at historicpensacola.org. And if you want to tour one of the 12 museums, get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Get emails by texting R-E-A-L to 66866. Now back to the show. Um, do you find that there's... a hype person. Sorry. Go oh, um, I was just going to say, do you find that there are special friendship considerations, since we're talking about practical strategies here, for... Um, hetero co-ed friendships? Because I noticed you have a lot of female friends that you quoted in your book. Yeah. I mean, I'm a big, uh, big believer that um, platonic friendships are kind of the bedrock of, of a healthy life. Uh, whether, uh, whether whoever you're attracted to and whoever you're, whether you're dating, whether you're in a, a long-term partnership or not. Um, and I, I think that um, I wouldn't say like specific considerations. I would just say that um, making sure that everyone feels welcome and everyone, and there's honest communication about what people are looking for. I've had a lot of friendships that have developed from dating. Um, I've had a lot of friendships that have developed just from, you know, having a, a space of mutual trust and support for somebody. Um, and I think that where this conflict usually arises is when one person is looking for something that's different than what the other person is looking for. And then the best way to avoid that or the best way to navigate that is to communicate and say, here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I'm available for. Here's what I'm not available for. I'm not saying that's easy, um, but I think that that's really kind of creates trust. It's kind of saying, hey, like I have a partner, I'm looking for platonic friends, or I don't actually know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for people in my life. Cool. Like you're honest and open about that and someone can meet you where they are or choose not to. Um so I, I think that kind of open, honest communication is, is kind of the key there. I'm it a big provides a lot of, of oh, sorry, please. It, please. Um, it provides a lot of perspective too. I mean, I, I really enjoy men. <laughs> I worked in a female dominated um, sales industry for, you know, almost 20 years. And then podcasting is mainly men. And so yeah. I've, you know, um, met all these fantastic guys and they just have a different way of thinking. And it's, so it's funny to, you know, um, tell them a story or a situation and hear their response. And I'm like, huh, really? That's what you got out of that. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's just, uh, it's so interesting because it breaks me out of that, you know, um, female bubble, I guess. So I, I really appreciate that. And it's, it, I thought it was really neat to hear that 
you also enjoy and value female friendships. Yeah, I'd say that some of my closest friendships are, are female friendships. I also will say that I think it's really important, just speaking kind of specifically on the gender thing, that men find close male friendships. Um, I think that there's a lot of research now showing um, increased rates of anxiety, depression, stress, suicide among men. Um, men, I think, are three times as likely to, to die from suicide as women. Um, and that there's a lot of really, really poor health outcomes and societal out, health, societal outcomes when men don't have close male friendships where they can be emotionally open, vulnerable, um, safe, healthy with other men. Um, so whether that's joining a men's group, whether that's developing a friendship from, from an activity, um, I, I really think that this is actually incredibly important, especially for the next generation, especially for young young men and boys um, to find these close male friendships in addition to friendships across uh, from any background and regardless of, of, of gender. But I think that specifically for men, there's a lot of research showing the incredible value of having um, other men in your life that are modeling kind of healthy intimacy, vulnerability, uh, emotional um, maturity, and just people that you can talk to about real things. There's a lot of incentive to identify potentially great friends among your contacts now. I, I have a counselor friend who says the number one question, literally, that she gets asked by her clients is, how do I make new friends? Mm -hmm. And after reading your book, I, I think the question really is, how do I cultivate authentic friendships from the contacts that are already in my life. Not to say that, you know, seats taken, like you can still begin to make a new friend, but to cultivate those new ones, there's obviously a lot of incentive there. I'd love for you to explain what the uh, friend map is and the circle exercise, because I, in my mind, I was like, Ooh, this will really help me identify where I should invest more time. Sure. Um, so the friend map idea is just pretty simple, is just kind of making making a map uh, of where you live, maybe your country, your state, your country, your the world. It can be printed out if you don't want to get, you know, try to try to draw the entire world and, and see how uh, off your, your drawing is. Uh, or it can just, you know, uh, you can try to sketch it and basically just kind of mapping out where people are. Uh, that you've met in your life that you would consider a friend. I think that that's a really just useful exercise just to kind of see where people are. If you, you're like me, I'm in my late thirties, uh, you get to a certain age and you're kind of like, wait a second, where are my friends? <laughs> you know, like where, <laughs> where are my friends? Like you think, you think you know where they are, especially after the pandemic, who knows where people are. They might be living in a completely different city, completely different <laughs> town, completely different country. Yeah. And just putting them on a map, I think, is really helpful just to kind of get a sense of, A, you have people in your life. You you, you do. Uh, even if it's just a few, that's enough. And where they are kind of as a way to maybe reach out or just kind of get a sense of where people are. And maybe if you don't have many people in the place that you're living in, that's a kind of, ooh, a little bell going off being like, that's something I need to work on. That's That's an intention. Uh, that I need more friends locally because you got to have people that are in your day-to-day -day life. 
Um, so that's kind of the friend map. And then the circles of intimacy is really just kind of getting a sense of all of the different people in your life and the closeness level. I think it's helpful um, less on the kind of specific definitions of what goes into each circle. If you can think about the inner circle would be maybe family, close friends, chosen family. Some people use that phrase to kind of connote people that yes, you don't share blood, but you for all intents and purposes, do share blood. You you love them. Maybe you even love them more than your own family. And there's a lot of people that have that situation. Um, and then maybe as you go out, there are people that are close friends, but a little bit farther out, and then maybe more like acquaintances, and then maybe even farther out, people that you've met once or twice at an event, or you know only online, only through Instagram, um, uh, only through TikTok or whatever, uh, just to kind of get a sense of, again, you put them where they are and you can kind of see where you're at. You get a, it's almost like doing a friendship audit. You get a sense of, Ooh, I have a lot of surface level friendships, but not that many people in my inner circle. I need to get a few of these people that are out, out on the surface and bring them in closer. How might, how might I do that? Maybe I pick one or two of Smiley's recipes from his book. Maybe I listen to a podcast uh, like Meredith's and kind of listen for some tools or, or pick a couple events that I want to go to next month. and meet somebody new or bring somebody that I've met once or twice and say, Hey, do you want to, do you want to come over for dinner? Um, so you could get a sense of where you're at and where you want to be going. I think with all of these things, uh, you can't really go, go, go into the future without knowing where you're at. So these are kind of a ways, you know, it's just amazing to me. Um, we spend so little of our time with our friends, 4% of our time with, with our friends, and people come up with all of these other solutions for, you know, self-help, living a better life, be happier, you know, do Peloton, <laughs> do nothing, meditate. And all these things are great, you know, but very few people when talking about living a better, more full life, say, spend time, spend more time with your friends, think more about friendship, brainstorm more about friendship, journal more about friendship. And I'm not saying that's going to solve everything, but I do think it's a relatively simple <laughs> Uh, an accessible solution to doing something that we know from a science level, from a, from a human level makes us feel better. Social support increases our chance of survival by up to 50%. It's one of the number one factors that determines living a healthy life is having close social relationships. Yet we're not spending that much time thinking about it. So how the hell can we expect to have close social relationships? We just assume that it happens because, you know, that's what we assume. We assume, oh yeah, I had friends when I was a kid. I went to college. Maybe I didn't go to college, but friendship. Yeah. That's just duh, 101 adulthood. It's like, look at where <laughs> we're at. Clearly it's not 101 adulthood. Clearly we needed a class about it. We didn't get classes about it. Clearly it needs to be something that is more, we, we spend more time thinking about and doing right. And actually working on um, my friend, Shasta Nelson, who wrote, has written two great books about friendship, actually three has this kind of quote, like friendships don't just happen. You know, not to make it a work thing or something, you know, we all have 50 things we're already on our to-do list, but you cannot just expect, especially as an adult, especially as you get into your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, that friendship is just going to happen because you're an adult. It's something that you have to create time for and actually be intentional about and maybe even, you know, create spreadsheets about or, to, or lists. <laughs> so, and I hate to make it 
real, but that's true. Anything that you're going to create in your, in your life and make better requires a little bit of effort. I mean, you had me at Excel spreadsheet. Okay. (laughs) I love some colored pens and a calendar and I've been scheduling friend dates since I was a teenager. And so when I read that you also are similar in your book, I was like, huh, my people, my people. Um, yeah, I think there is, to use your analogy of the recipe, I feel like social media is kind of like junk food. And so we're, we're like, yeah, we're, you know, I'm staying in touch with my friends and we lose that deeper connection because of the junk food. Like we don't know that we are not getting nutrition in the area exactly. of friendship. And it's, yeah, I loved your um, suggestion about uh, take the <laughs> measure, the time you spend on social media and swap that for in-person real time with those friends. I thought, oh, I love how measurable and actual that is. That's freaking brilliant. Yeah. Trade screen time for friend time. And I, and I want to be clear, like, especially in the pandemic, I think a lot of people have found social media or let's say online tools very useful, right? You were mentioning podcasting, like we're talking on Zoom right now. There's a great, there is a place for this. I think it's unrealistic to say that in 2022, especially for someone who's a younger person, that's kind of just entering adulthood, that you can do, that that it's, that you should avoid social media altogether, Right. I think that that's just unrealistic for the average person. I'm on, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. It's part of how I build my business. Right. Uh, I just want to own that and be realistic about that. And to say that there's, there is use in these tools to connect people, to get to know people, to discover people, to, to sell your work, to show your work. Great. To build an audience. And it's not enough. And that there has to be like, it, it is not it's not deep friendship. And it's also the tech has to be used for people to connect in real life. If it's just, you know, there's, there's, there's research around this. If tech is used as the way station where people are finding directions, right? This is what John Cassiopo, who wrote a book called loneliness talks about. If it's like, Hey, I used fill in the blank, could be Instagram, could be a Slack channel, could be a meetup.com, could be I don't know. There's so many different apps these days, Marco Polo, (laughs) whatever, fill in the blank. Um, And I met up with people in my city, or even we met up online because we, you know, we're really into, you know, this specific show, TV show, or we want to talk about this, or we're going to create something together. And you meet up in real life. Great. The tech can actually be, have a meaningful impact on your life. But if tech is not the way station, but just the final destination, It's where you go and you stay there and you're constantly in the hamster wheel and you're constantly just scrolling or you're constantly even just chatting about, you know, and you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Connecting. You will actually be very unhappy. (laughs) It will have adverse outcomes on your, on your social health. Um, So it has to be something that people can get off and actually meet up in real life and do something together um, or it's really toxic. So what's your take on the metaverse then? I'm not a fan. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, I mean, cool, tweeted, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. So you tweeted about it. I just tweeted like, you don't need a metaverse. You need a friend. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not that that's solving anything, but um, 
look like I'm all for people having avenues to connect. And I think that there are people that spend a lot of time online or really love video games or really love, let's say, cryptocurrency or even virtual reality, AR, and maybe the metaverse is where they meet. Cool. Nothing wrong with that. But like, if you're not seeing someone's face, if there is no destination to say, hey, are you going to be in Austin for this conference? Or do you want to maybe go on a hike? Or do you want to cook some food or get a get a taco? Like, I just feel like we're missing the, the human element of it is missing. And we do not need another avenue to connect digitally. Is anyone asking for that? I don't <laughs> Thank need a you. digital. Thank I you. don't need a digital por- <laughs> portal. I have the I have my computer in front of me. I could spend the whole day connecting with people online. I could have done that 10 years ago. I can still, I don't need another app for that. What I need <laughs> is just to spend more time with people in real life. Um, and so, you know, people are going to build these metaverses and all great, but like the solution is a lot cheaper. <laughs> right. Yeah. I liked what Russell Brand said that he wasn't going to outsource his reality. That was his response to the meta- metaverse. And I thought, Oh yeah. Good answer. That is a good answer. Also, also have you, have you taken a walk in nature? It's pretty damn awesome. <laughs> like yes. the world that we have is pretty cool. Like go to a garden, go to go take a hike, dump in the ocean, um, sit outside in the sun. Like it's a pretty sweet world out there. Eat some delicious food, yeah. right? Open up, right? Have a fresh peach. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, Earth is pretty cool. Earth is pretty, pretty awesome, you know? <laughs> yeah, I agree. And, and it has a lot of problems. We also, <laughs> if we could spend a little bit more time, you know, fixing the Earth that we have um, and saving the planet, mm-hmm. um, and less worried about, you know, alternate universes to plug into. Yeah. Yeah. The um, hairstyle of your avatar. <laughs> then yeah, I think we'd yeah, be better totally. off. <laughs> well, as we wrap up, I have um, a thought about introvert versus extrovert. Cause you mentioned that you consider yourself an extrovert and I consider myself an introvert, which my definition is that's, I recharge by being alone. And, but I'm very outgoing. I'm not particularly shy. So I always like to clarify that the phrase never eat alone was not written by an introvert. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. cause lunch alone is like my favorite thing, right? It's so great. And many introverts feel this way. Are there special considerations for developing deep friendships for introverts that have to simultaneously monitor their energy? Yeah. Great question. I would also just to clarify, I'm an extrovert, but I would call myself like an introverted extrovert. I also, while I, I recharge from being around people, I also spend a lot of time alone, a lot of time writing, a lot of time spacing out, a lot of the time thinking I love eating alone. I love just kind of just sitting at a cafe around other people, but alone with me and my thoughts. Um, I would say, um, one of the biggest would just be to start slow. (laughs) And I think that um, a lot of times some of this stuff can feel like jumping in and going from zero to 100 of like, we're best friends, or there's this pressure around that and um, modeling what it looks like to just kind of take baby steps with some of this stuff of just getting to know someone slowly building trust over time, hanging out for like an hour and be like, that was great. (laughs) 
sucks. <laughs> All right, let's do this again. Almost like saving the good stuff, you know, in the same way, maybe with a relationship, there's so much to be gained from building it up slowly and you don't have to like fall in love right away. Right. Like there's something beautiful about being like, Ooh, yeah. Like we're just kind of taking it slow. I feel that that's a really good tool, not just for introverts, frankly, but for everyone. Um, it, it makes it more attainable, more accessible. Um, and it doesn't mean, um, that you need to kind of dive in. I would always say, I also, one of my biggest favorite things to do that I think is an introverted hack, also just something good for everyone is honor the one-on-one. I, I have this in my yeah. book as well. Of the, uh, you know, I am somebody that can go into a, a big room, a conference, an event, a meetup and like kind of feel comfortable. Like that's just how I'm built. You know, that's, um, it's, it's, it's something that I can do. I know a lot of people that's not the case, but I'll say this. I would still prefer as someone that's comfortable in that environment, I would still prefer being in the corner talking to one person because I can, I can, I could go deeper with them. I enjoy it. Um, it makes me feel safer. It makes me feel like I'm not being watched by everybody. So just kind of remembering, like, there's this tendency of like, well, I had friends, um, with Cynthia on Friday night, I'm just going to invite Rachel and Amanda too. Cause like, they're not doing anything. Uh, and I think that they would like Cynthia. It's like, Oh no. <laughs> Cause then you just kind of like, I hate when people do that to me. I like, thought I was going to have a one-on-one thought I was going to just be meeting up with one person for dinner or for a walk. And they bring somebody else. It's such a betrayal to me of trust. And at that point you can't do anything. You can't be like, you can't be rude. <laughs> right. The person's there. <laughs> Right. Really, that's a pet peeve of mine. Um, If you make plans with one person, just honor the one-on-one. That's the beautiful thing. Like, just spend time with them, and that conversation is going to be so much more nuanced. You have your inside jokes. You can pick up where you left off. You can really go deeper. You can ask somebody maybe a more intimate, deeper question. You can you can open up more than you probably would around a stranger or someone you've met once before. Um, so that would just be a couple, one or two things that come to mind. Yeah. I love that. I love bringing boundaries and honoring the one-on-one. That's all of that is right up my alley and great advice. So I loved your book. I thought it was amazing. So before we sign off, tell people where they can find you on social media. We, we were just like, ah, social media, but (laughs) follow me on Twitter. Um, and then of course, where they can buy your book. Sure. Uh, so you can check out the book Friendship in the Age of Loneliness on Amazon or wherever you buy books. Um, my Most of my work is available on my website, smileypozwalski.com. Um, I know that last name is hard to spell, but just Google Smiley Friendship. You'll, you'll find me on the internet. Um, I'm mostly active really on LinkedIn. Um, I'm trying to kind of spend less time on, on other social media. I'm also on Instagram, but um, yeah, check out my website. It's got all my stuff and Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Thanks for listening. If you've loved a couple episodes of the show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the Good Pods app. If you liked this episode, you'll also like the one I did with a professional cuddler. That's episode 121. Stay tuned next week when I talk with a blind man who makes Braille Lego instructions and rock climbs. See you then.